720 WGN. One of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people is on the line. Sam Smith, former of the Tribune, Bulls.com, joining us now on WGN. Hi, Sam. How are you? Mark, I'm good. I wonder what you're calling about. <laughs> well, and I got my buddy Kevin Powell here with me, too, is reading the Jordan rules for the first time, Sam Smith. Yeah, somebody somebody said to me. I said, "This is you know, this is good for you. you you're making money." And I said, "Well, it was some you know appearance in the radio station." And I said, "Well, I'm making about the same I am for this appearance since the book's out of print." <laughs> so, you know, I'm just um, I bought a I'm new just copy. Being dragged Sam. along like everyone. I told somebody else. I said, "You know what? I've been in the same place doing the same thing, and the circus came back to my front door." <laughs> it's true. So I, I've been texting with you, and I'm like, I wonder if Sam is willing to talk about this, because like, Michael Jordan's out there saying that Horace Grant was telling Sam Smith everything, and it's like, you know, writer's not going to give up his source on who he wrote for the book, but you said you would talk about it. So is, is MJ correct in his assertion that Horace Grant was giving you all this information before you, you know, wrote the Jordan rules? You know, Michael has been very successful in a lot of things, obviously basketball, and business, and more so than most, you know, like, uh, being a billionaire. Um, journalism is not his specialty. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's really ludicrous. Uh, you know, and I understand, you know, what's popularized journalism, this notion of, like, deep throat, you know, all the president's men, and, and this is how journalism works. Well, there was deep throat, you know, in that because people didn't want to talk. You know, in sports, Everybody talks. <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't need a source in sports. And the notion that one person was responsible for 300 pages of a book. Uh, the other thing is, you, you know, I, I, I don't get offended. Yeah, there's no reason. But I had been an investigative reporter in Washington, D.C. before I got into sports and before I came to Chicago in 79. So, you know, I had some experience writing you know, serious sort of stories. And then I was traveling with the Bulls, you know, for many years before the Jordan Rules came out. So it's pretty, I mean, it seemed to me it would be pretty hard to imagine that after all these years of knowing, say, Phil, who I met, I did a feature for the Tribune Sunday Magazine story on the what was then the CBA, and I was in Albany with Phil in 1982. And... Um, Johnny Box, an old friend from Brooklyn. Um, I've traveled. We traveled commercial, so we all sat together. Coach, not they didn't name it for them, but I always sat with Tex and Johnny on the plane uh, to and from all the games. You know, because they didn't leave after back then. We waited till the next morning to come home and whatever. You know, Bill Cartwright, being an older guy who you, you know wasn't close with any of these young kids on the team, all these draft picks. You know, Jerry had cleverly put together. Uh, so he, you know, he hung out with me a lot because we were on the road together. So, you know, given all this, and, and let me tell you one story too. This, this is fine. Kraus, you know, was a difficult personality. Not, it's unfortunate he's getting treated as he is. But you know, Michael is like, you know, it's like the Seinfeld. So remember, they had a show on, on the Festivus. Where where the guy was did the airing of grievances, sure, and and it's kind of like that. Michael seems to be celebrating Festivus still. You know, he's got his grievance against Kraus and you know Isaiah Thomas, so he's he's going through all his grievances like he did his Hall of Fame speech. But anyway, so 
you know, we, we when we traveled, we'd be, uh, you know, in the same hotels and all. And so I, we were in Portland, and I was in the lobby, and Jerry, and I, I you know, I got along, in, uh, well, okay with Jerry. You know, he was difficult to get along with, but... Um, but I'm, you know, on the team doing the beat. I got to be, talk to everybody. So I'm in the lobby, and Jerry says, "What are you doing for dinner?" And I says, you know, and you know, I'm stricken initially. <laughs> so then I said, "Wow." Well, all right, you know, nothing. He said, "Well, let's go." You know, Jerry had lived in Portland, and he was a GM of a minor league team, so he knew Portland pretty well. So he says, "You, you know, let, let me take you to one of my favorite places." And so we do. We go out and wait. Hold know, on. What, was, what year is this? This is fascinating. This was the year. Uh, it was either the year of the Jordan rules or the year before. So, but uh, this, so it's not after the Jordan rules because I felt no, no, it was before. Okay, okay. Go after ahead. the Jordan rules, he never spoke to me again. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, continue yeah. on. My bad. And so he said, you know, let's. And so we have dinner. It was nice weather for some reason in Portland, which usually isn't. And uh, and then he says, you know, let me take you over to my ballpark, and I want to show you, you know, and so. I could spend, you know, a whole day with him. We went to see his ballpark, and we went to a favorite bar and all these stuff. So, you know, Jerry, I asked, you know, I obviously asked him some questions during it, <laughs> told me some things. So, you know, I even, I, I even, you know, had settings with, you know, you know Jerry, Jerry Krause. And then, you know, Phil, I've known a long time, you know, back, to, like I said, from the CBA. And, you know, uh, and, and there was also all these support people, Mark File. I knew Mark really well. He was the traveling secretary and the trainer. And so, you know, he was aware. So the point was, if you're around a team like I was for multiple years and knew all these people and had relationships, how is it that I needed one guy who wasn't connected really to the coaching staff or management to tell me everything that was going on. How was that, that possible? You think Horace was aware of all these things? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a ludicrous notion. And, and, and if you read the Jordan rules, what you'll find out is it, it, there's no league sources in it. People are all quoted. You know, they, you know, I had told them many times, you know, that I said, I'll, you know, I'll write these things if you haven't seen, but I'm, I'm not giving it. I'm not doing sources. You put your name to it, and they did. You know, and so if you go through that book, you'll see most of the guys are quoted, you know, by name, saying that, saying what they say. I, I remember one thing that was in there where I was like, "How did he get that?" And it was something about you. You, you talked about a conversation that Pax had with his wife in his car. Do you, do you remember that at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, how the hell did he get that?" So like, what was he in the back seat? <laughs> well, did you ever read? Uh, did you ever read? You know, I mentioned the Woodward and Bernstein. And do you ever read, you read all the President's Men? Yeah. Well, all the President's Men, you know, recreates an awful lot of conversations that there was no way Woodward or Bernstein were sitting there for. Right. You know, Nixon in the White House talking to the, you know, the picture of uh, George Washington on the wall. So how did they know that if they weren't there? Well, you know, there's various ways you do it in general reporting is you talk to the principals and then you have to talk to the people who the principals talk to. And so, you know, that's how you confirm it. You, you find, you know, one person, and you talk to someone else, and you talk to someone else. And, you know, you know it's like the, you know, the kid's story. You, you know, you, you, where one tells the next in a circle until it comes around. That's why you have to talk to multiple people, because when people, you know, in journalism, when people tell you something, whatever it is they tell you, if they're involved in, they're going to be the hero of the story. Because nobody tells you a story which they're the bad guy. So you've got to talk to a number of people to figure out 
the middle ground, what the real story is. You, you know, it's like the detective, you know, police shows. You know, they talk to all these people to try and figure out what the real story is because nobody ever tells you the real story. And that's why you should, what you, what you read from journalists, what you see on TV from journalists, is, is a lot closer to the truth than anything you hear from a sports figure or a politician. Because those people in journalism doing that, if they make it up, not only do they lose their job, but they never get one again. You know, you, you, there's no second chance in journalism if you've lied and made up stuff. You know, and there were famous stories with the Washington Post and New York Times of those reporters who fabricated stories, and they never worked in journalism again. And, and, and as we've seen in other areas, you can lie all you want, and you continue to keep your job. You don't in journalism. That's the only place you don't. A lesson in journalism from Sam Smith. I'm loving this. Sam, time. you're my favorite. <laughs> this is great. Um, I get. Is there anything from the Last Dance that's you've watched and just almost laughed out loud because you know it's not true? Is it like what stood out? What has stood out the most for you, Sam Smith, who went, who lived this entire thing? I wouldn't say there's anything untrue. I think they've they've done a good job, and I think that's why people are enjoying it so much. You know, because you know they have covered a lot of the you know a lot of the main questions, and you know they've asked them all. Now it's it's obviously from Michael's perspective, you know, but there there are like gaps. Like like one of the things was the thing with Isaiah and the walkout, and um, what really provoked that they didn't they didn't mention that at all. But I, because I remember being there, it was after Game Three, and we flew back. Uh, we were in, a, it was, not flew back, but we were there, you know. And, and obviously, the Bulls are going to sweep now. They've dominated this series. The Pistons are just out of it, uh, and the Bulls are way better. And I remember the year before when the Bulls lost in seven, when Scotty had the uh, migraine. I remember Phil saying that during that series when we were back in Chicago, um, in the one-one-one at the end, he he, he said. He told the team, and, you know, somebody told me, not Horace, or maybe it was Horace, who knows. <laughs> but he said, you know, we get to 100 points. No, he told us. It was, I remember it was a media thing. He said, look, we're going to win every game we get to 100 points, and we just got to get to 100 points. I remember him saying, you know, that they didn't have the home court advantage then, and he said, this, this, is, this, is, this is even better because we get four chances to win on their court instead of three. <laughs> You know, and the players looking yeah, around, going, "How does that make sense?" And you know, but nobody can kind of figure it out. Um, but anyway, so they're up three zero. You know, and, and and in the show, Michael made a point of the sportsmanship, and obviously, you know, it was on. Frankly, I don't have any problem not shaking your hands after the game. I, you know, I, none of us played at those levels, but I didn't like shaking guys' hands who beat me afterwards. I, I was fine to leave, and I didn't never see any problem with that. I don't think you have to shake. You know, LeBron had trouble with that one time, but he's he's always walked off the course when he lost at the end, and and I like the fact that you're mad when you lost. Um, Me too. You know, so I, I never had an issue with that. Now, here's two things. Two two, two things about that. One was okay. Three zero. Michael unprovoked. We sitting there with him, and he just went off and eviscerated the Pistons. You know, don't, you know, this is a two time champion who'd been in the finals three years in a row. They don't deserve one championship. They're an embarrassment to basketball in the league. They had to take away their trophy, and he's just going on and on for like a half hour of this. 
And, you know, back then there's no t- tweets and stuff. And so nobody knows really among the Pistons. You know, they've gone home already. Their f- practice was before the Bulls came to the arena. And so they wake up the next day and the Detroit papers, front page headlines in every Detroit paper was, right. you know, Pistons are losers, don't deserve to be champions. And, you know, Michael was just provoking them. He, Michael was being Michael. I knew what he was doing, you know, and, and but he, that's why they walked off. But here's something that nobody mentioned. I don't think anyone remembers it. And, and even I'm not sure what happened, but, I, but I've always had my suspicion that this was more bulls rubbing it in. Okay, so... Detroit scores a meaningless basket at the end, you know, down 20 points. And now it's 24 seconds left, and, and that's it. The Bulls get the ball. And I think it was B.J. got it, dribbles up over the half-court line, and now it's standing there, as we see in all these areas. The Bulls called timeout to stop. That's when Detroit walked off, because they were starting to walk off as the clock is winding down in those last 24 seconds. But once the timeout came, and I wasn't sure if it was, but I can't be sure if it was the Bulls. I think it was the Bulls. It might have been the officials because of the, what was going on. But I think the Bulls may have called timeout to further rub it in. <laughs> and, and that's why the walkout seems so extreme because everything stopped. And now you, you got that picture of Jordan with his arms crossed, like looking at him. But that's because they called timeout when the clock was running out. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like a Jim Boylan thing. <laughs> I, I, I do remember the pause. I'm, I'm doubting that Phil or any of them would have called timeout. So I'm thinking it was an official thing. But it was awkward because things had stopped. And, and so it, it got. Well, you know, the Pistons didn't call timeout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, they they didn't. And and for the record, just one thing on Isaiah Thomas, if I could just put it out there, the the guy keeps moving the goalposts every single day. Well, the Celtics did it this way. Well, well, the Bulls disrespected. I mean, come on, man, you just just own. Look, we hated them. They hated us. We still hate them today. And be done with it. And 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 we're good. Like he doesn't. Well, I think he was done with it, but then it got brought up again. You know, he didn't bring it up. Yeah, you yeah. know, it got brought up again, and you know, in this, and so yeah, the Boston thing was kind of ludicrous. That was sort of revisionist history. I think they were just trying to come up with something, but it, that was a different circumstance because that was on a visiting court. They were the Boston was getting off because you know it, it, it was everyone was going nuts, and they were you know they were they were running off the court to save themselves. So you know, so that was a, a very different situation. This one was in Detroit, uh, and 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 you know, over the years, everybody but. Lambeer has, you know, has said that it was a mistake. They shouldn't have done it. Good for him for sticking with it. Go ahead, Bill. Right. <laughs> you know Bill would be the one who would. Right. Hey, Sam, before you go, we're, we're getting up against the clock, but I'm just curious, who, and I think I know your answer, but who do you blame the most for the Bulls breaking up after 98? And, and if you're going to say that they wouldn't have won in 99, let me just throw the caveat in there. Like, I would have rather seen them lost. I, I think they would have won in 99. Some people don't. That's fine. But I would rather have seen the team actually lose. Who You know, they're, they're underlining Kraus, and people are wondering why. Well, is the it... truth is Jordan broke it up. See, the that's what is, I thought you were going to say. Just like he broke it up in 93, you know, which was fine. You know, the circumstances and everything with his father's death, very understandable. And there was no way he was coming back. You know, I know he said he was never played for another coach until he did, played for Doug Collins. And, it was, you know, it was a great Jordan thing, the way to get through the season, to have this challenge, you know, like, oh, Jeff and Gundy called me a con man, and, and Leroy Smith beat me out in high school. <laughs> you know, and all these crazy things he would come up with that would drive him. 
and he knew he needed some motivation after these two incredible, you know, two and a half seasons of, you know, the biggest show on earth, you know, and what he, what he went through and pushed himself. And Dennis is kind of coming apart in the 97 finals. And, you know, Scotty has now postponed his surgery so he could purposely miss half the season. And, you know, and, and so he sees all this. But look, if Michael Jordan wanted to come back and play in 98-99, are you telling me the NBA and Jerry Reinsdorf would not have brought him back? Remember, remember for all the trade Pippen stuff in 97, you know, with Boston, which actually may have worked out, it may have been better for the Bulls to have done, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf didn't let it happen, you know, because of that. And I'm I'm certain that after that 97-98 season, Michael had the opportunity to to return uh, with a kit, with an with an assurance that everybody else would be offered the same number of years that he would be getting, which was one. But Scotty wanted you know was wasn't under any circumstances staying. Dennis you know goes to the Lakers and like blew up you know was completely out of control. Uh, you know, but Michael was smarter than everybody. He saw this. He recognizes. He he recognized. I'm not coming back. And you heard him say it himself when Dennis went to Vegas. I, I'm I can't. I'm all by myself. Well, he wasn't all by himself. You know, Ron Harper's there, Ku Coach Long, whatever. But that's what he viewed. If it, it wasn't an insult to those other guys, it was more like without Scotty and Dennis, you know, at a high level. You know, I can't carry all this. And he remembered ninety two, ninety three, what an ordeal that was, and you know, drove him out of the game to some extent. So he he did not want want any part of it. He wasn't up to it. And and I think that was appropriate. And and look, he came back. And I hope they you know, ask him if he if he regrets it. Because if I'm him, uh, you know, I'm like, look, you could you could have played, man. I, I don't think he has a single regret about it really? at all. I, you know, I, I think I think he felt not only he doesn't regret it. I feel he, he he believes he did the right thing. Would do it that way again. And there was there was no way that he wanted to come back under the circumstances with that team, which he which he understood because it was around him. He saw what was going on with Scotty. He saw what was going on with Dennis, and he knew Phil had said even as far back as ninety six ninety seven that you know I I I don't want to be around more than seven years. And it had nothing to do with Reinsdorf or Kraus or Dennis or Pippen or whatever. It's just. He had this thing in his mind that you, uh, you, uh, voice got to change with your group after seven years, and now he has stayed through nine. And you heard them say that in the show. That's that that very thing. He said, "Now you know I'm in, I've been this. Uh, I, I was thinking of leaving after seven years, and now it's the year nine. So, you know, Phil had one foot out the door, you know, all season long for that sabbatical. He couldn't wait to get to. And so Michael Michael recognized all this. Michael Michael is much sharper than everybody else." And he he realized that this was not tenable, and he was not walking into a situation where he had no chance again. He went through that in the early 80s, and he did not want any part of that again. Then he came back and played with the Wizards. But all right, okay, Sam, uh, you're the best. SamSmithBulls.com, at SamSmithHoops on Twitter. Uh, I'll call you after the show, Sam. Just be available around 10 o'clock. Karma's giddy talking about this. Let's talk for an hour late tonight, okay? I'm done with you. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. See, see you, Sam. Appreciate it. SamSmithBulls.com. Let's take a quick time. I'll come back and discuss that for a second. 720 WGN.